Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Welcome back to The Real World on CITR 101.9 FM. Um, we are broadcasting live from unceded Musqueam and Coast Salish territory here on the UBC campus in Vancouver, BC. Um, Real World is the radio show of the UBC Film Society Club. Um, we try to connect with other clubs on campus through film. So if you're ever interested in talking about your favorite movie or have a good idea for a show, just let us know. Um, you can reach us on Facebook or in our club room in the life building um today we have three of us and jen will be joining later but my name is alex um, i'm the bookings manager of film sock hello i'm uh, augustine i'm uh, computer operations in film sock and i'm clara i'm the film liaison and jen will be joining us part way i hope um <laughs> but anyways today we're going to be talking about the blob which was a movie from 1958. Um, who is it directed by again? Uh, Irvin Yeworth. Yeworth. Oh, Yeworth. Okay. That's one thing I forgot to look at. Um, yeah, this was Jen's idea to do this movie. I don't know what was the inspiration for it. Um, <laughs> but it's a very corny very horror strange, movie. Yeah. If you can call it a horror movie. Sci-fi, maybe? Yeah, sci-fi is a better bit. term. You're right. That's true. Um, but yeah, it's pretty short. It was only like an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite short. Um, and I didn't know until we started watching it that Steve McQueen <laughs> is in it, who is definitely one of my childhood heartthrobs. So that was cool to see him. Yeah. And apparently this is his first um, kind of starring role yeah, is what first we big uncovered. Movie. Um, yeah, but the general plot of the movie is this comet thing <laughs> falls from the sky and hits the ground, and then Steve McQueen, whose name is also Steve in the movie, <laughs> and his kind of girlfriend, Jane, um, they go and see what it is. But before they get there, this old man goes to find it, and he starts poking this blob that's, like, inside of the comet, um... And the blob gets stuck to his hand, and he can't get it off. So Steve and Jane take him to the doctor, and even the doctor doesn't know what it is. And it like it's expanding; it's slowly kind of growing up his arm. 
um yeah and then uh it just gets bigger and bigger and by eating people <laughs> yeah it starts just absorbing people yeah. so the doctor gets absorbed this nurse gets taken and meanwhile steve and jane are trying to convince the police that this is a real threat and that they need help but i mean r- pretty reasonably the police don't believe them that there's yep. this monster absorbing the flesh of the town's humans um but yeah it's a uh, interesting story i guess between them trying to convince them that something's wrong and then all the while through kind of the cops ignorance more and more people are killed until finally the problem is like super super huge, huge <laughs> <laughs> that they can't ignore it anymore and everyone kind of teams up at the end of the movie to assume i assume they get rid of the blob but the movie ends with a question mark so i think there's a lot left to the imagination there yeah well there is a sequel ah there is there is a sequel it's not the 1988 one right no that's the remake okay the sequel is 1972 it was called beware the blob um and in that one they kind of like changed it so it wasn't an alien but a like a government thing. So it's not the blob that comes back from the Arctic. I think it does. Like oh. I think the the basic plot of the remake, which I haven't seen, so I don't completely know. But um, a technician comes home with like a frozen sample of something, and his wife lets it melt, and then it like becomes a blob. Oh. And we were we were them. thinking that this could really segue well into the thing, because you know how they're in like the Arctic, and then they find this thing frozen in the ground. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that sounds. But but at the beginning of the thing, like we can see, like there's a spaceship that crashes down Earth, right? That's true. Um, so I guess there's like a it's a new threat or something. But there's something about that, you know, about that thing that takes the others' bodies and impersonates them, and it's taking everyone bit by bit. Yeah, I guess it is kind of similar to the Blob in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I never knew the blob was a movie but maybe in the back of my head i knew but i feel like there's a lot of references made to it in a lot of other films mm. or even like i remember watching the fairly odd parents cartoon when i was little and oh, there's yeah. a part where cosmo like turns into this giant gelatinous substance mm-hmm. and yeah i don't know as as a kid i would never have known that's kind of um, yeah an homage to to the blob and the song, right? The song that we played at the oh, beginning. Oh, right, yeah. We introed with the, the theme song. I've the definitely movie. heard it before, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I've so never heard it, but it's really catchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then there's this, I think, uh, this whole generational thing in, in the movie about how the kids, they want to, uh, they, they want to warn the older people and then... They're the one that kind of saved the day at the end because they're the one that bring the fire extinguishers to freeze mm-hmm. the blob. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so it's funny how they reference like the Second World War. Like this policeman, he did the war, and he's always like, "Oh, they're doing this because they know I've been in the war." And you know, obviously, these kids have not known the war. Um, yeah, he was very paranoid about it. Um, I guess it'd be good also to talk about just some facts around it. Oh, yeah. Um, we found out it's shot in 31 days with a budget of $110,000, which is really small, right? Well, for, is was it adjusted? And this was in 1958, so I guess it's different. Yeah. I don't know if the yeah, cost it, was adjusted. We did not figure out if it was or not. Cause, yeah, uh, it said, yeah, it said made $4 million at box office, but we don't know it also if that's in terms of today or what. I mean, that's not successful to me. I think it might not be adjusted because, um, uh, like, there's another fact that we have, um, which says that he was paid 2500 for the role, Steve McQueen. Yeah. Um, and then I was kind of, like, digging around, and there's an interview with Kate Phillips, who I think is the actress. Oh, Jenny? Jane. Or Jane? Jenny or yeah. whatever. Jane, Jane. Jane. Um, and her in, in her interview, she says, oh, we were both paid $150. So I think, wait, that means it is adjusted. <laughs> yes. So he actually was paid $2,500, right? Yeah. Not $21,000. <laughs> oh, man, $2,500 for a, a star like Steve McQueen seems pretty sad. But I guess he wasn't that big then. Yeah. Um, and then we also found some stuff about what the actual blob is made out of. Oh, yeah. Um. 
That's something I really like about old scary movies is that you can't get that scared because the special effects are so bad, like compared to today's things, you know. But at the time, I'm sure it was like horrifying and was really cool. Um, but mm-hmm. it said that the the goo that the blob is made out of is a mixture of silicone and red vegetable dye. <laughs> and but then we also noticed that a lot of the scenes they use like a small scale model to make it seem like the blob is, um, you know, like covering a building mm-hmm. or kind of oozing through a building's windows and things like that. Like they could not do that with an actual like full size set. Um, so I don't know. That was really interesting. And it's, it's very apparent at times that it's a model. But sometimes it's it, not. Sometimes it works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then other times it's like, that's definitely a piece of cardboard. <laughs> and then it's going backwards too. Like you can tell yeah, that it's yeah, yeah, not. Yeah. It's like reversed. Yeah. yeah. I was, um, I don't know, just before the movie, I was watching a bunch of slime videos <laughs> unrelated to watching the blob. But yeah. I don't know. It really kind of like connected for me <laughs> in that whole kind of like oddly satisfying way like when the blob is like squeezing under doors mm-hmm. or like through these ventilation airways and how it's just like morphing into all these little little but pieces and for, stuff f- yeah for me it's <laughs> so funny that we were just looking at that and be like "Ooh, that's really nice and then it's like the element of horror you know yeah so it's <laughs> weird how like the slime takes on a different <laughs> different kind of meaning i don't know but people are so obsessed with slime videos today that i feel like the blob should make a comeback <laughs> but Maybe yeah but when you mean, I was wondering about the special effects. When you mean like old special effects, because like seventies special effects, like the thing is really scary to me. It's uh, scary, but at the same time, like I still know that it's not real. Whereas a lot of things that come out today, I actually am just blown away by how realistic it is. You so know, you find that uh, CGI special effects are more real than practical effects. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. I mean, the thing was definitely still scary. But I don't know when there's parts where there's like goop flying everywhere and stuff, you know, mm. it's so obviously like glucose or something like that, that I I just, I can't totally buy into it. But, um, yeah, yeah, sure. But, but also you were, you were looking at images before we watched the movie. Oh yeah. Uh, I was getting images from the 1988 blob, which looks really, really scary. So that's what I thought we were going to (laughs) watch. I was really like, I don't know, apprehensive about it. But these would be also practical effects, I think. Yeah, they uh, were. Yeah. yeah. But it was definitely, like, it had to be more advanced than in 1958, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I yeah. don't know how much, because, I mean, practical effects are still practical effects. It's not like they had, like, better technologies for that, right? Like, no, but... But I think just, there's also different trends, too, because we yeah. were reading that in the 1988 one, that whole use of, I don't remember what it's called, but it's, like, a type of rubber or something. Silicone? No, it was something different than that was used in the blob. Maybe it's latex, yeah, how it can wrap on people's faces and bodies, and, Mm -hmm. like, they use that in the thing also. And I don't feel like that was maybe as popularly used in Mm -hmm. the time of the Mm. 1958 blob. Yeah, and maybe, like, maybe the technology was not there yet, you know? Maybe Mm -hmm. that's part of technological technological advancement is, like, being able to create these kind of intricate, um, Mm -hmm. like, costumes, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd definitely be an interesting thing to look into about, I guess, yeah, advancement of horror movie effects <laughs> and things like that. And also, like, budget, right? Mm-hmm. Because as horror like horror becomes, like, more popular and successful, like, they can invest more into, like, special effects and stuff, even if they're, like, amateurs because they know it's going to sell. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean... This one's pretty low budget, I feel like. Yeah. But I don't know if that's adjusted again. But I don't know. A lot of the stuff we read about it was just talking about how like successful it was despite being low budget. Yeah. And I mean, to us, not having a very like scary blob monster, but for people then it was like a lot different of an experience. But maybe you know, maybe it maybe it wasn't like scary to the people who watch it but there's definitely like an attraction to seeing it like mm-hmm. i even though i wasn't scared i was like oh i want to see another shot of the blob i want to see him go through ventilation again <laughs> or you know yeah and i don't i read on one article that um it was pretty uncommon that a movie in this time would be in full color uh-huh. especially like a horror movie a lot of the ones or like scary movies at the time were more in black and white um 
So it probably, and of course they probably wanted it to be in color too, to capture more of mm-hmm. the essence of the blob since it's like this bright, glistening red goo. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's that's pretty cool that it was a little bit different in its time as well for for using color. Um, and then we can see Steve McQueen's blue eyes and mm-hmm. blondness. Yeah, that probably really helped him get his, get his start <laughs> in that movie. Um yeah, when we were watching it too, though, I felt like, I don't know, maybe this is a very, like, naive thought, but I felt like everyone was a really bad actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind know? of, yeah. Kind of, But yeah. then I'm thinking, like, pe- there were still good actors in the 50s, right? Yeah, but, but I guess... But I guess it's a very different style yeah. than what we're used to, and things are more, um, like, dramatized and less subtle Mm. i don't know it was very over the top sometimes or they they'd have these interactions in the movie that were really arbitrary um just talking about something really dumb for like 10 minutes really random and then would move on to a different scene that had absolutely no correlation with that and then never comes previous thing yeah did you notice that i did i thought like i was wondering if that had anything to do with editing as well like how much was in the script and how much like they like just cut it up in a weird way mm-hmm. because I feel like part of the bad acting was also like how slow the lines were delivered yeah. and it was like so quiet and then they'd be like say something and then quiet response. Uh. Oh, so maybe yeah. it's like not the way it's shot is maybe they would do like each person speaking at a time or mm. something and then the way it's edited together left too much gaps. Yeah. Versus now, like, bit, you would maybe. do something more where all of those characters would be in the same shot and you would just have, like, different cameras, or if that makes sense. The cutting is, like, a little more snappy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's true. You wouldn't leave out the blank. You would mm-hmm. cut bef- after the person started talking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that was something that kind of yeah. know, just stuck out to me. And also um, sound. I was I don't know much about, like, sound technology at that time. But it's interesting that, like, there's no kind of dynamics, really, to the sound. Like, if a character is turned around or if they're, like, 20 feet away, they sound equally loud as mm-hmm. the character that's closer to the camera. Whereas I don't feel like that would be the case in contemporary films. Like, they would really compensate and adjust for distance or angles and things like that. Mm. Um, but I guess that's pretty common in older movies. I just was paying more attention this time. <laughs> But uh, just to come back to the acting, something I thought about something. Maybe like you know how Marlon Brando kind of changed the way we saw acting. Maybe like you know, and he started in the fifties, right? So maybe like it's pre Marlon Brando type of acting, and you know, and mm-hmm. and now we're used to like the way he would act. Or I feel something. like I don't know that much about Marlon Brando. Honestly, I don't think I ever saw The Godfather. <laughs> no, but like you know, in the streetcar named Desire or stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. He's more of like a, I don't know, very more casual mm-hmm. and underplayed. But I feel like when we were looking up Steve McQueen, that's why a lot of people liked him too. Is that yeah. he was this quote king of cool and had a much more kind of like rebellious, um, yeah, like more subtle attitude. Which I guess I could see him having that the most out of any of the other cast members in the movie and it's still like an early movie in his career yeah so he's still like working on it and stuff but Mm -hmm. it's just interesting to see how like styles of acting change so much than what we expect now like that movie made me feel like i could have been in it (laughs) (laughs) but maybe it's it's probably a lot harder than i think (laughs) um do we want to take a quick break yeah and then we will come back and maybe jen will be back with us too um yeah we'll be right back our first song is going to be melty by milk on their album mattress ranch Proportionately avant-garde 
just a sicker Sometimes I feel it okay Sometimes I feel okay Sometimes I feel okay Dried up like an old sea star Why'd you have to leave me here inside your hot car? Well, sometimes a cigar is just a phallus Passed up from the hippie flip Want to be the kind of guy who goes skinny Listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum speaking Musqueam people. Oh man. What? What? I really wanted to catch that football game, but I have to clean my room. I'm so bummed. Yo, man, totally chill out. You can catch it on CITR. CITR? Did someone say CITR? Yeah? CITR Radio brings you Thunderbird Sports on the weekends. Catch all the action and don't miss a moment of play with our live play-by-play and color commentary. Only on CITR 101.9 FM. Wow, that's great. And if you can't catch the game, tune in at 3.30 p.m every Thursday for our weekly update on UBC Athletics with live scores, recaps, and in-depth analysis. Oh, okay, dude. Okay, okay, dude. We get it. Dude!
And we are back with The Real World on CATR 101.9 FM. Um, what did host... you just listen to? Oh, that was the first song I said was Melty by Milk. And the second song is My Beautiful Coin Laundry by Divorcer from their recent album, Debt Jubilee. Um, so our friend Jen has joined us again. Hello. Um, I'm the late one, usually. Yes, we have people <laughs> sharing a mic, so sorry yeah. if it's a little quiet. Um, yeah. Um, so we're doing a vlog, which I'm so excited about. <laughs> this was your idea. <laughs> yeah, it was my idea. Um, so backstory of like why and how. So like in 10th grade, one of my favorite <laughs> teachers ever, my history teacher, Mr. Campbell, he, um, we were, he was a big film buff. And so he would suggest movies to us all the time. And one of the ones that he was a big proponent of was the blob <laughs> that and and he also called bambi like the scariest movie ever oh okay and so i was like okay okay and so and so um after like he just had good i just respected his movie taste a lot and so the blob was one that i just never watched but was always in my head to watch and so and he described the plot and everything so i knew how it was going to end i knew everything that happened but i was like i need to watch it and so it like for this next episode i just decided that we're we're gonna do it <laughs> so yeah that was what i was thinking throughout the entire time while watching it mr campbell <laughs> if you're listening to us yeah <laughs> and it was just like yeah everything like lined up with how he described it to me so i was very how very happy he was just so excited by it and like like yeah, so it's just this like gelatinous like thing that consumes Gelatin. the entire town. <laughs> and like and then he like really built it up. Like he was a great storyteller and so he was like, Yeah, so you know and so for the ending where like they find out that cold and like carbon dioxide will um get the blob to like shrink, shrink. and die. Die no die, die. double quotes. Um and and he was just so like excited about that ending and so i don't know i don't know just the way he built it up in my head <laughs> yeah yeah i, I feel I, like i go mm, oh, sorry go ahead oh uh, no I, that was it from me <laughs> i was just thinking that i don't know i feel like jello was really big in that time and this would have been such a good advertising campaign for them like That's to have true. a packaging with the blob but it's like in the shape of a jello you know oh that anyways i'm a genius but then also <laughs> <It's> too late <laughs> The blob is communism, so Jello oh, is communism. Oh yeah, that whole <laughs> yeah, thing with the communism, to I could totally see that. But also, someone called it out and said it was like I forget that someone who was closely involved with the film was like, "No, that's ridiculous. That was not what it was about." Was it Kate Phillips, the actress Jane, yes. who played Jane? Because someone else who was involved with the movie said that, who wrote a book about it, mentioned the communism thing. Mm. But I and feel that, like anyone who like analyzes a film later, they're always like, "Oh, it was about communism." It's oh, the that Cold too. War. That too, though. If I learned anything in film one hundred, <laughs> it was that everything is about communism. But, <laughs> but so when when I was watching it, I was wondering if it was about communism. But then you know, everyone I read the things about like it's red and everything. But then I feel like. Um, you know, the Red Scare would more affect the older generation rather than the younger one, right? Like, and and this, and if we're talking about like the movie as a generational thing, divide, uh, like the Red Scare would not necessarily affect, um, like the younger, like Steve McQueen and whatever, uh, which are more like uh, concerned about you know their own lives in America and stuff like that. And but then you know, then when we looked up info about the movie so the blob is red and also like it's made by christians <laughs> and so and so yeah. that kind of put the nail in the coffin for me but um, i think it could still be and but it's like it's not that the young kids are like scared of it like they're the ones who fight it in mm -hmm. the movie you know it's not that like the old people aren't affected but but they're I don't not know. the ones they're, they're not, not the, the ones, ones doing anything it. exactly yeah. it's the kids who solve it mm. The other kind of obvious metaphor that's somewhat related to communism is basically like the consumerist culture of oh, yeah. like yeah. like increasing consumerism in 1950s oh, America yeah. because it just consumes consumes right like and and and, oh, and, and an insatiable that. appetite mm. yeah and the blob is like 
where do we see it, right? We see it in the store Maybe and in the theater. theater. Mm-hmm. Um, where else? Uh, well, diner, the, the, food, like yeah, the diner. gluttony and stuff. I mean, the doctor and thing, but that's like less. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That scene of it coming into the movie theater and like, oh my god, the special in the projection e- room. Yeah. I was like, mm, girl, <laughs> the special effects on this thing and like, wow, <laughs> it's just so weird <laughs> to see. It. I don't know for like B grade movies like this, this sort of stuff, this sort of stuff that they make. Um, I'd, it just looks so weird. Like it looked different every time, but I was so fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> What is rotoscoping? It's when you film something and then you draw over it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So parts of it were animated. Yeah. Or I guess rotoscoped. Maybe. Well, I guess they would film like the you know the set and then, like uh, because that's the diner scene you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? I, I guess they would film the diner and then just draw the blob over it. Yeah. Oh yeah. well. Oh, okay. With that, with the diner scene, I with the diner scene, there was something they said about it. Um, of how they did that one, if I could oh. find it in my notes. Oh, okay. For the diner scene, they got a photograph of the building, and they put it onto a gyroscopically operated table onto which cameras had been mounted. And then the table was shaken until the blob rolled off. So when the film negative was uh, eventually printed in reverse, it looked like it was oozing over it, if that makes sense. Oh. It, I, mm-hmm. To special oh. effects people, yeah, does yeah. that sound Just about right? Everything in reverse. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but some, but some parts I feel like we're drawn, like the blob of static. You know when yes. they like shoot the power cable and it hits the blob and it gets electrocuted. Like that, that looked, was straight up drawn. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny. I don't know. <laughs> it's very jarring. <laughs> and it's funny because like we can tell all these things, but then like going back to how scary it is. I was reading like some people who like grew up with the film they were saying like it was actually super scary for oh. them to see as a child um because partly because it's silent and so it can just be anywhere and you would never know oh so God, you can turn yeah. a corner in your house because they like you see it in like homes and everyday places a lot and it like it could just be there waiting for you um mm-hmm. so i think mm-hmm. that's a lot of the horror for like people who saw it in theaters at the time and also yeah. seeing it in the theater while you're in the theater oh would yeah, have been yeah, yeah. an experience. Yeah. I just, I'm reading somebody's who, I don't know who wrote these notes, but that in 1950, policemen reported discovery of a dome disc of quivering jelly six feet in diameter. <laughs> yeah. Put, get the center. <laughs> what? <laughs> and when they tried to pick it up, it dissolved into an odorless sticky scum. So why would they try to pick it up also? <laughs> Wait, what? What did they so find? That was, they found yeah. like a blob. This was in 1950. So, so this incident inspired oh. the movie. Well, star jelly is like an actual thing. Um it's and and for that 1950s incident you're referring to they that that was one of the bigger ones but it, oh, in general okay. it's like it's found as a gelatinous substance um in grass and over branches of trees and so there's like a lot of myth that's developed around it um because oh. it's usually deposited during meteor showers and oh. after it's fallen and then um, it's believed to come from like remains of toads, frogs, and worms. That's disgusting. Oh. But um, it basically dates back to like the first recording of it's like the 14th century. So just like so much like weird stuff, and That's no so one really knowing where it comes from. Wow. Yeah, I feel like that makes the movie a lot more kind of nuanced and uh-huh. yeah, I don't know, maybe scarier too because it's based on something that does happen naturally. Yeah, or I mean, yeah, according to some sources, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> But then I don't know. This makes you wonder what what transforms it from like a star jelly to the blob. Yeah, like how did we get here? <laughs> I was fascinated by the fact that like, well, my initial understanding of it was that it it didn't really have like a mind necessarily or like senses that could detect people and feelings and like the cold and the heat and everything. But it mm-hmm. it does. And like when you make sounds or like, um. It can hear hear you, in double quotes. Can it hear you? I don't know, cause like when the dog started barking, or no, it started retreating from the freezer because it was cold. Yeah. But other times, like it it doesn't didn't seem to like know when people were around and like approach them and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just... I, I assumed that was because they were making sounds. Maybe it just feels their heat or the heat. Yeah. yeah. But it like has 
yeah that sort I don't, of sensory. I don't like interpret the blob as a malicious character you know no, I feel like it has true. no like ill it's intent hungry yeah it's just living its life and it probably got to the wrong place and it just needs to survive and this is what it has to do but but it's interesting that it only like uh gobbles up organic things right are humans organic well, they produce heat right so i guess there's something guess to so. that yeah. if you want to be logical about it yeah true initially when my history teacher first described it to me i thought it just consumed everything in its path mm. and not just humans i guess it's well, a carnivore it did kind of eat the building <laughs> Kinda, right? No, no. People were running out of the cinema, and even like from the grocery store and the houses that it went into, it never devoured it. Mm. That's true. It just got the people that yeah. were inside. Yeah. Um. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back. Um. The next song coming up is "Images" by the band You'll Never Get to Heaven, and we'll have a few ads and stuff, and we'll be right back.
with super giant pizza. Give me pizza! said that people disappoint, but pizza is eternal. That adage is being put to the test with Canadians weighing in on pizza, love, and slice etiquette. Six in ten Canadians have some type of relationship deal breaker when it comes to pizza, but one in three have no pizza love limits at all. The top deal breaker was eating pizza in bed at 18%, and closely behind was anchovies on pizza at 17%. Next up were picks the cheese off at 10, eats pizza with a knife and fork at 8%, uses too much garlic dipping sauce at 7%, puts pineapple on pizza at 6%, doesn't eat the crust at 6%, and eats it cold at 4%. So cuddle up on the couch and share some za and some love. International Performing Arts Festival is celebrating its 15th year this January. The festival brings the best of contemporary performing art from around the world and across the country, right here in Vancouver. Featuring genre-bending work in theater, dance, multimedia, music, and film, PUSH is proud to present work that explodes notions of what performance is and celebrates artists whose work starts conversations. Tickets are on sale now at pushfestival.ca. Chaque étoile brille are back with the real world on CATR 101.9 FM. Um that last song was Vendredi sur, was by Vendredi sur Mer and was uh, L'arme à gauche. And we're back with the blob. 
Um, we've got like 12 minutes left. So, um, yeah, during the break, we we're talking about blob things. And I think Jin uh, just watched a, a photo of Steve McQueen and is now dying of laughter. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of having a Steve McQueen moment here. Um, he has very pale ears. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and is very dry skinned. Yeah. yeah no, we're, okay, so we're talking about how the fact that this 28 year old Steve McQueen is playing a 17 year old <laughs> high schooler and like Steve McQueen already looks really old for his age, but it's fine. Like he's still attractive and may he rest in peace, but like he was wrinkled in this movie and yeah. leathery and mm, yeah. <laughs> we we've described him akin to a beef jerky <laughs> very seasoned <laughs> but um yeah basically all the characters honestly looked way too old for the character oh, yeah. they were playing unless they were actually an old man then in that case they were okay. they could do what they want but he looked as old as the cop yeah. as like the sheriff guy oh my god yeah <laughs> but um, that yeah that might be actually due to what we were also talking about, about the Hays Code, uh, which is... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, history lessons since they're on this wall yeah. right now, obviously. I mean, it's like <laughs> for like every 50s movie, mm-hmm. you're going to have that uh, thing, like, which is like a very conservative set of like censorship rules. So the, when they show kissing, they didn't actually show, like, the lips touching. And it was, like, two heads just kind of, like, leaning into each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other one was the couple, the parents, um, when they did show the bedroom, they were, like, sleeping in separate beds, even though that wasn't necessarily a social norm. It was just a thing they did yeah. for the screen. And there's, like, <laughs> only one kiss. Even at the end, I was expecting, like, uh, the couple to kiss because they got out of that situation. But no. And it's all about family, and there's, like, the little boy that comes in uh, really late in the movie, uh, Jane's uh, little brother, who is the worst character of this movie. Oh, God, I didn't like her. I didn't like her. Yeah, he's kind of the reason they get stuck inside of this diner about to die. But also, like, all his lines are, like, so bad. Yeah, I don't really like kids, to be honest, but (laughs) unrelated to this movie. But, um, um, yeah, and I feel like also the fact that young people would not be played by young people might be linked to that uh, censorship thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Maybe also why they're just, like, not only do you not see them being very affectionate with each other, but, like, there's just no romance subplot. No. Like, A part of the fact that, okay, these two are together mm-hmm. and that's not, like, a question or whatever. Yeah, like, she's just his sidekick, basically. Like, yeah. he needed someone to, like... And of course, around. like no, no person of color. Um, the Hays Code forbade interracial kisses, for example. So yeah. Yeah, that movie. Um, Wait, what is that? Does that mean? I think you brought that up after saying that everyone was too old for the character they were playing. Does that have mm-hmm. something to do with it? That I they can't have young people. I think there's something about like if uh, like young people cannot be played by like the people of the same age except for like really young boys or girls uh and same about hmm? why i don't know it's something about like you know perversion and i i can't uh, i don't know exactly but i i think that's part of it as well uh Mm. uh, maybe it relates i don't know but um yeah and same thing i think the reason one of the reasons why there might be no person of color is that that was also very uh restricted and stuff like that like you couldn't have i think you couldn't even have scenes where you would have a person of color and a white person in the same scene um so yeah Hmm. (laughs) um i've also i looked at somebody wrote this in the notes that since 2000 the town of phoenixville pennsylvania which is one of the filming locations holds an annual blob fest <laughs> so oh my movie, God, yeah. moviegoers <laughs> run screaming from the town's colonial theater which is i guess the theater, the theater that uh was featured in the blob yeah oh right they and they also have the diner there um and they just they like they allow you to go down to the basement to take photos on weekdays oh <laughs> yeah like so, the basement they stuck yeah they're where stuck they're in. stuck in um yeah, 
Yeah, I think I forget who has the blob right now, but someone is in possession of the actual blob mm-hmm. that yeah. they used for that the they movie. used for the set. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask if like they actually had the blob at the theater on the blob day, or do they just like? <laughs> I mean, how did it not run from nothing? <laughs> how did it not like this? This be dis- how, how did it not? How was it not destroyed? You know, yeah, like the substance of it of was made of. Did it? Fr- did they freeze it? <laughs> well, I mean, that's why like butt implants last forever, right? It's just a bunch of silicone. <laughs> You're right. The blob oh could god. just be like recycled into an implant. Into yeah. a butt implant. Oh god, it like, doesn't. My deteriorate. butt was in a movie. <laughs> Your butt was but, in a like, movie. Not. <laughs> yeah, Thank you for that info, James. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, like my body implants could have been in. part of the blob. Oh yeah. Or in the blob. Or actually, the blob at one point. My butt is the blob. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's the blob. Oh my god! Isn't it a great movie? I highly recommend. Yes, it it's was, fun. Um, we Some were good, good slime action. Yeah. I don't know if you talked about this already, but you mentioned it when I got here. But like, you know, like first ASMR slime action. I guess it's not really movie. ASMR though, because it doesn't make sound, right? Yeah. I mean, like, but sight. You know, like the yeah, sight oddly of it. satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> wow. But um. Oh, they. Okay. Also, I wanted to mention that they did have sequels, so they had two, and I think the second one. I read the summaries of them, and the second one sounded more interesting to me. But so the second one, they, um, this like oil guy w- was in the Arctic, and he brought it back, um, the blob from the arctic and then it it like you know consumes everything in its path again and i forget exactly what it said about how it was resolved but um Mm. that happened in the second one and then in the third one i think it mentioned something like it takes on additional features and it's like even more villainous oh um and it has like some acid thing to it Mm. but yeah they they made it more evil more evil more dangerous that's yeah, sad. Yeah. And it got More like, blob. it was a bigger feature for those two. So I think the second one, the DP for that was like also the DP for The Thing and Halloween. Oh. Um, it got, it's either the second or the third one, but it got it got more and more like critical acclaim. No, not critical acclaim. It was very badly reviewed, but um, <laughs> it got more popular and like people were getting on top of it because it was like such a, you know, cult mm. classic by then. Mm. Wobby. um yeah so that pretty much closes out our show um we have our film society buzzer garden (laughs) this evening (laughs) um it's at what 7 30 yes in the great hall south and mars attacks yeah which is another great sci-fi film so yeah uh if you can't watch the blob at least you can watch mars attacks and there'll be popcorn yes and buzzer, buzzer, and candy. Yes. So come one, come all. Come down to the Great Hall South tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be there. Okay. Thanks for joining us today, Bye-bye. and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. See ya.